Hiya folks, this is Film Query, the queer experience of the media you love. I'm Indy and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Chloe and my pronouns are she, her. And this week we're covering American Psycho, released in 2000, starring Christian Bale and adapted from a book by Brett Easton Ellis and adapted from book to screen by director Mary Haddon. Uh, don't worry, for now we won't be covering the musical, but uh, I don't know, maybe it's an April Fool's episode. Or something. I didn't know there was a musical. There is. Um, I was watching some video essays to like prepare for the episode to kind of get some points down, and my YouTube recommended section just became the musical. I can't even imagine. But yeah, um, American Psycho is about Patrick Bateman, a wealthy. Yeah, this guy, um, Patrick Bateman, a wealthy he hides his um psychopathic personality from his colleagues um but sooner or later he gives in to his um fantasy <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah he's a bit of his uncontrollable bloodlust and just starts going off i guess is it literally the best way yeah i mean it literally starts as kind of workplace rivalry with uh paul allen played by jared leto again this guy keeps coming up keeps in all these films up. yeah <laughs> always insufferable just like in real life so he's very jealous that paul allen is doing better than him so it kind of starts off with um patrick bateman murdering paul but then it kind of spirals out of control where he you know does some pretty awful things including killing a dog uh which i didn't know i had I'd, normally before i watch these kind of films i have to you know google does the dog mm-hmm. die you know that site and yeah. I'd forgotten to do it for American Psycho and I was just like oh no <laughs> oh. oh I always feel so bad for like everything else in the film that he does don't get me wrong it's pretty bad but I can kind of just be like you're a crazy white dude but when he kills that poor black um homeless, homeless man, guy makes me fucking cry on his head because so, he's so fucking happy like that someone's trying to help him and then and he he's just like, <laughs> stabbing him, yeah. And it's like, that's bang out of order. Like, I don't care what he did to those prostitutes. Like, that wasn't fair. But you definitely shouldn't be doing that to him. He's he's got fuck all. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wants help. So basically, uh, the kind of big thing from book to screen was that in the book, uh, the the things that he does, um, is downright inhumane. Like, not the homeless guy, Patrick Bateman, um. And he says the N-word multiple times. He's like the some of the stuff um, that Bateman does in the book, we probably couldn't even cover it on the podcast just in case it got took down. Yeah, um, it's, it's quite graphic. I read um, I read like a bit. Um, is it ex- ex- excerpt? Excerpt from... Um, the book once to be like oh i love this film like maybe the book would be good i was like jesus christ to put the book down just walks out the shop (laughs) it's like yeah that's too much it's pretty pretty graphic um and he's like in the film i feel they humanize him a little bit more with the whole thing with his secretary um and the fact he doesn't immediately treat her like shit Um, oh no that's in the book (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no. 
<laughs> no, but I meant it's like up to a lesser extent in the film because they try and be like, oh, you've got because you can't have this irredeemable little like in the book he's absolutely irredeemable in the film he's also pretty irredeemable but like you can be like oh well he's nice to his secretary sometimes and he hasn't killed her so maybe he's okay but in the book no he's he's just the worst person ever fun fact i've never personally read the book uh because it was a book that was low-key banned in in my house because my mum had read it uh she'd read uh before the movie had came out, uh, I don't know, like the book came out in the 90s, I think, um, but she read it and she she can take a lot of horror stuff. She loves watching kind of Nordic noir crime dramas. She loves the the Hannibal books like Silence of the Lambs. She doesn't like the Hannibal show, but we'll get on to that eventually. <laughs> um, but she was that disgusted by the book um, and I think... I think it was one of the the scenes with the prostitutes, uh, the rat scene maybe, and that's all we'll say. If you know, you know. Um, where it was kind of setting things up for that scene, and she was that disgusted that she physically felt ill and never read it again. And um, up until like a few days ago, when I was watching stuff for the podcast, she told me that she'd never actually seen the movie properly all the way through. Uh, because of how traumatised she was from reading the book. I, I don't... Wild. I don't... <laughs> the rat. Oh, I hate rats anyway, but... Yeah, you you don't want to know. It will make you feel a bit ill. I can take yeah. my gore, but, like, I'd read that excerpt. Like, that's the one part of the book that I have read because people were, like, talking about it and it was, like, oh, the most infamous scene. And I was, like, right, OK. Um, I'm feeling all right in my mental health today let's find out what this is <laughs> uh and i felt pretty sick too yeah it's a big question isn't it and i think yeah. we might disagree on this and i'm quite excited to know what you think did the murders, murders. did it really happen i want to hear your take first because i have quite a firm take on it i absolutely believe that it did oh good we're on the same page oh we're on the same page oh I didn't think we would be I was like it absolutely did I thought you were gonna be like no it's in his head yeah I know I have like since I finished it like I've obviously rewatched it um a few times now uh and every time I'm like no it absolutely did happen um and uh, Mm -hmm. I'll go for my reason why and then you can say yours just yeah that's that's cool think it absolutely happened because I think the whole thing in my opinion is meant to show that nobody gives like fuck about anyone else like no one cares you can go around doing whatever you want because people are so self-absorbed um because of capitalism and all you know modern society they just don't care and it also probably helps his chances a lot that um he's a white dude so he mm-hmm. doesn't have to work like it's kind of meant to show he can go around pretty much like kill a lot of people but because he's just a generic white man he it's fine we don't need to, you know no one else needs to acknowledge it so that's my reasoning why I think it's um okay um I'm kind of on a similar vein but I have just a little bit more background because I'd brought like evidence to the table just in case we disagreed yes. 
basically the director um uh mary harren her one regret with the film was leaving it ambiguous um because she says the murders definitely did happen um but the way that it was portrayed in the film uh kind of leaves it up to the viewer's interpretation and she was like nah you know it it all happens so you don't know um if it's you know going to be one of those movies where it's like oh it's just because he's mentally ill and he's just imagining everything um but no uh the scene with the landlady estate agent in Paul Allen's apartment because that's where he's been like stored in the bodies mm-hmm. um <laughs> he's been stored in the bodies in Paul Allen's apartment after he killed Paul Allen uh, basically framing Paul Allen for these murders, you know, by leaving his body there and then him disappearing. When he, after he's on the phone with his uh, lawyer, after the big whole bit where he's like shooting the, the police cars and feeding the cat to the ATM, um, and he's like, oh God, this this isn't happening. Uh, this isn't real. He goes to Paul Allen's apartment and the thing's completely cleaned, painted white, and there's no bodies ever, anywhere. But the landlady or the estate agent acts really, really weird. Mm, Would she you? Because he, he goes in with like a mask, which uh, in 2021 is you know quite common now. But in 2000, um, the Western odd. world didn't really do that. So she's like, "Did you read the ad in the Times?" And he's like, "Yeah." And she was like, "Psych, there was no ad in the Times. I think you should huh? leave." And um, the kind of idea that I grasped from the film, because one of the big themes is like lack of identity, was that Paul Allen, because he comes from such a wealthy uh, white background, um, he was able to get away with all these murders. And it's to kind of show a kind of thing about privilege, um, because like obviously Paul Allen's family, you know, they're the ones selling the apartment. So they probably think that Paul Allen done it uh not Patrick Bateman um but because they have the money to kind of clear things up you know sweep it under the rug you know that's what they do and they use their money and their influence so that the landlady you know or the estate agent doesn't really care and she just you know wants to sell the place to make more money so money makes the world go round I guess I like that I like that that's a I like that that we've got the same conclusion but different reasons yeah that's quite good it's now had a bit of a um renaissance renaissance, and now we've got like there's a lot of memes about him Mm -hmm. like and there's a lot of tiktoks and for prep of this episode i asked a lot of people what do you think patrick bateman's pronouns are um and had a lot of they she's in response (laughs) to this so um that's the thing that queer people now do. Um, they just go around being like, yeah, this um, guy who at no point displays anything, you know, that could be um, perceived. Yeah, perceived to be queer. He's a she, they, and um, he's gay. And that's like, <laughs> and everyone's just like, you know what? You're so right. Like when everyone's like, he's a girl boss. It's like, is he? Yeah, of course he's yeah. a girl boss. I think it's very popular to have this kind of, um fun with him and his character um because he unfortunately is one of those people that um I should say he is one of those men that like white people um 
like cishet white man really loved to be like oh he's really cool like you know he had loads of money he was successful um mm-hmm. so I think it's like a big like you know screw you to uh oh yeah those people that's that's definitely why I do it because I just think imagine like turning around to someone who's like yeah I think Patrick Bateman is my inspiration and you're just like oh you mean the she's a queen Patrick Bateman like who's you know who loves cock that Patrick Bateman and they're imagining their faces like if you yeah and they're just like oh no oh no not not him (laughs) not my problematic fave Yes, he ate someone's brain, but would he identify as a she, they, girl boss, male wife person? Absolutely not. <laughs> How could he? Like, you know, it's like that meme where it's like, um, I can tolerate murder and misogyny, but I cannot. But I'd, but I'd draw the line. At animal cruelty. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's it's it like. really is. It's just bizarre. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's one of those movies, like, it was trending on TikTok kind of right at the peak of the trend, was kind of around Halloween, because you always have the cis hit kind of white dudes who don't have a costume, so they're like, oh yeah, there's my, there's my wee suit that I have in there for, like, work or whatever. I'll go and find a clear raincoat. I'm Patrick Bateman, baby. <laughs> Um, so it kind of became a big fuck you to that, like, as you said. Um, but also, it is quite a meaty film. Like, uh, like it's it's something you can really dig your teeth into if you want to, like, mm-hmm. be one of those film bros and, like, analyse it back to front. I mean, in secondary school, uh, in S2, so I was around 13 or 14, uh, but we had to study Jaws. Um, and like we watched the scene with the yellow lilo 50 times so we're like yes the yellow lilo washes up with the on the bloody water to the shore and this symbolizes the loss of innocence and hope uh, because a child has just been mauled to death by a massive fucking shark <laughs> I love the reach but- yeah Basically, uh, American Psycho had what we would call, or or what I would call, uh, the Twilight Renaissance 2, uh, Electric Bigaloo. Um, because basically, for those who kind of weren't really on TikTok at the start of the pandemic, kind of midway through last year, uh, Twi- Twilight made a comeback and everyone was kind of doing the same thing that they're doing now with American Psycho, like uh, everyone's trans and Alice and Bella are lesbians, and Edward and Jason are, like, together, together. Ooh. Um, yeah. So I think it's just kind of like that, but, like, with one of those, like, white dude movies, I don't know. <laughs> no, no, it's pretty much the, it's the same kind of treatment, um, and there's lots of memes. Um hmm Funny memes, like not Great like tasteless memes. memes. Yeah, not not bad memes. Genuinely, quite like um, a lot of them. The business card. I couldn't think. I can only think of it in Japanese. The business card with a scene where they're all comparing business cards. Um, which by the way, I have to say, like I said, it is quite a meaty film, and I will say, what a great metaphor for like um, essentially a dick measuring contest between these guys, like. You know who has the best business card with the fanciest, um, you know, engraving. embossing, 
glossy like yeah and all this nonsense it's like none of this matters in the real world but to these men it's absolutely everything that they have the best business card and Um, they all look rubbish from a design perspective come on it's the 80s do better (laughs) it's so boring and bland i know it's like printed on like it's supposed to be fancy card stock but it's like Nah, it looks like A4 paper. <laughs> They've just went off camera, right? Okay, Patrick Bateman, Pierce and Pierce, mergers and acquisitions. So, you know, quickly, Jerry, just scribble some on it. We've got to get this next scene, you know. It's <laughs> pretty much how it went. Um, yeah, there's a lot of memes of that, though, and I love the one where it's like Hatsune Miku, and then it's him, like, having the really intense breakdown over mm-hmm. the card, and it's just like... <laughs> Miku doesn't have a business card. Like, what are you doing? Um, but after, I think it's after the business card scene. Mm-hmm. Um, the bit with the uh, gay man who's mm-hmm. what's his name, Lewis. Uh, I can't remember, but the ginger guy with the weird haircut. Yes, him. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of the not so secret secret is that he's gay uh and then patrick bateman goes to like attack him because um his business card is pretty cool in the world of um yuppies yuppies so uh patrick bateman was kill him because no one can be better than patrick bateman um but then this guy takes it as like a sexual advance and he's like yes please patrick like i've been waiting for this for so long um and then Patrick Bateman, honest to God, this man has like mutilated women, he's killed people, you know, he's a real awful, awful guy. But what freaks him out the most is the fact that this dude is into men. Yeah, and, and it's just, coming on to him specifically. Yeah. And he takes it like, like it's kind of the first time, don't get me wrong, he loses his composure like you know to a much larger degree later on but this is the first time you kind of see him lose a bit of that cool facade he puts up um Mm -hmm. it's quite funny as well because like he's in the toilets um you know his business paul island's business card is better than mine i can't believe that they all liked paul's better than mine (laughs) um and thingy the the ginger guy with the weird haircut also why can't why couldn't he just look like a regular dude why did he have to look like peewee herman if people can't be attractive chloe rule number one of films from the like late 90s and early 2000s you know no person's ever been attractive that's just how it works in straight cinema unfortunately Mm -hmm. um but you know he comes in, he's like, oh, um, Patrick, are you, are you okay? You know, thingy, like genuine concern. And Patrick just puts him in a chokehold. And this poor ginger man is just like, ooh, sexy. He's really into it. He's like, yeah, you know. Yeah. He even gives him, like, corrects him, doesn't he? He's like, no, do it like this. Like, you know, that's And, like, kisses like his it. hand. Yes. Like, he d- yeah. He's, like, yeah. It's bizarre. <laughs> It's very bizarre. The yeah. <laughs> gay scene in the toilets. Um, yeah. And the urinals. Yes, the urinals. I forget. I've never been in a man's toilet. Or, you know, the other toilet, I guess. 
Um, so yeah, uh, back to kind of point about how kind of Patrick is kind of head canon. For those who don't know, that's just like how pe- the audience perceive that character and stuff would be into or identify as. Um, that's not like the the solid meaning, but that's kind of how you take it. For those who don't know, because my mum didn't know what that meant. Um, basically, uh, Patrick is often read by audiences as queer or gay. Due, uh, sometimes, like, also as a big fuck you to the kind of cishet, you know, white film bros. Um, but also people who, like straight people, who don't really know any better, I guess, um, or are just ignorant kind of they headcanon him as queer due to the fact that he's openly like misogynistic about women you know his main victims are women uh and his kind of deep deep obsession with paul allen like jesus christ um but i wonder why characters uh, that are widely kind of read as gay men by audiences are often the ones that seem to be kind of slightly misogynistic uh, we saw that with Cho Sang-woo and Squid Game. Um, people were like, oh yeah, he's totally totally queer because he didn't want any women on his team. Like, I'm, I'm not making this up. <laughs> no, I think, I think personally, um, gay people, or queer people in the cinema, at the, at main, not so much now, but definitely in the past, they were often not presented well. And there was that, obviously the effects of it. So gay people have to have a flaw that everyone can kind of agree. Yeah, this is pretty terrible. And here's the thing. Patrick Bateman can't be gay and kill people because in cinema uh, and in fiction generally, killing isn't taboo. You know, like you're so desensitised to it kind of thing. Yeah, um, it's a bit like... Um... For an example in the movie, sorry to cut in there. No, no. Uh, um, the bit where he's uh, working out, he's doing like mad crunches while uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's in the background. See the end bit where Leatherface <laughs> is like running around with the chainsaw. Also a bit of foreshadowing, but you know, shh. Um, but yeah, he's so desensitized to it. But if he's gay and he hates, like this is if you want to read him as gay. Um, obviously but the reason being gay and misogynistic in my opinion linked is because then you can kind of be like oh but I don't hate him because he's gay I hate him because he's misogynistic and hates women and Mm -hmm. it's like kind of a cover for homophobia really and not that the women deserve any of this stuff that happens to them at all like you know that I'm not saying this at all but the idea that gay men have misogynistic um, feelings towards women also feeds into like the hierarchy in society of um, straight women, although women are still bad, they're better than gay men. Mm-hmm. Especially um, uh, white straight women. Yes. Or white women in general. Um, yeah. Because missing white women syndrome, where it's basically like no one in the media would really care if it was a queer person or a person of colour or a disabled person that went missing. But if it's a white woman, that's a story right there. Bang, let's nationwide, let's look for 
Jindal, an example of um, missing white woman uh, syndrome. syndrome. Yes, uh, is when Gabby Petito, when at this point was just missing uh, um, in America, and British news outlets were just talking about that uh, quite frequently. When at the same time in um, England, Sabina Nessa, um, a woman of colour, had been um, killed, but that wasn't of um, as great importance apparently because she was a person of colour, so the news was um, less yeah. keen on discussing um, that topic, which pretty <laughs> awful. Not gonna lie, it's pretty yeah, it's pretty wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, you see it with, like, the Sarah Everard case that yeah. happened. That got, like, basically worldwide coverage. Uh, if we're just going to do it, like, based with UK examples. Um, and, like, the two women, Sabira Nessa and Sarah Everard, were murdered in the same city as mm-hmm. well. About maybe, God, a couple of months apart. It wasn't in the sum- summer, it was, like... You know, whatever, it was still like within the same year. And yeah, there was, was all this talk about uh, femicide and kind of sexual assault, keeping safe, you know, that kind of thing. And that was all brought up after Sarah Everard was murdered. All these talks were kind of brought to, I guess, mainstream TV. But when Sabina Nessa got murdered, you know, aside from a couple of articles on the BBC, The Guardian, face probably you know it was pretty quiet yeah I think it was when uh when we watched the news there's like a Sarah Everard thing like every day for like two weeks yes um, and when this like Sabina Nessa um story came out I think it was on once like genuinely I think I remember um it was on once and I only knew about it beforehand because um my friend had posted something on social media about it there'd been no mention prior to this um yeah news story like it was just this just like the first time a lot of people were hearing about it and stuff so yeah I'm in the same boat as you um yeah thank you yeah that was yeah good point <laughs> so the the movie's kind of general themes include a lack of identities uh which is perceived to be the reason why he lashes out in the first place um because it gets mistaken so many times as, you know, these other white yuppies um, in his wee workplace. And, you know, you see the mergers and acquisitions scene where he's like, oh, yeah, what do you do for a living? Oh, I do murders and executions mostly. Do you like it? What do you mean? Well, I know people that work in mergers and acquisitions and they really don't like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like that you edited it. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, I the um theme of lack of identity as well kind of um is similar to Fight Club and um as you mentioned last uh, week when we did discuss Fight Club, um and I think you mentioned it towards the end, um both films have toxic masculinity and we just see it from different um financial perspectives so yeah so um fight club is lower working class people and the effects of toxic masculinity where this is um 
the same kind of problems, lack of identity, toxic masculinity, but uh, with rich white men, which kind of, I won't lie, makes me feel quite bad for men that kind of this is a problem for men and yeah. being rich won't solve it. Like, I feel some, you know, like they say money doesn't bring happiness. And sometimes I'm like, that's absolutely not true. Like, if I had money, I'd be so much happier because <laughs> I'd be so less stressed. But like, mm-hmm. this is really a problem, like toxic masculinity, um, that genuinely can't be fixed by anything but like societal change. And that's sad because it's so hard to bring societal change, you know? Yeah, of course. So, I feel quite bad like if you yeah I mean um obviously money can buy happiness to a certain degree as you said it can buy therapy um for these for these very problematic men um but uh and on a more serious note it would really take societal change as you said um so that men don't feel as pressured to kind of conform to you know these I don't know stereotypes would that be the right word yeah I feel you know they all have to have a Rolex watch there's a big bit in the book um a little easter egg a tidbit if you will um in the book there's like millions of times where it's mentioned like about how much Patrick loves his Rolex watch but obviously Rolex were like yeah we don't want to be Christian Bale mass murderer uh his favorite watch company so we would like if you didn't mention our names at all in the movie um so the only occurrence you ever see that the watch is mentioned is there's a bit where he's in bed with uh, two sex workers and you know she kind of goes to touch his hands you know they're all sleeping mm-hmm. um and he's like don't touch the watch <laughs> literally <laughs> yeah he's that's quite interested about Rolex not wanting their thing to be mentioned. Yeah. Like, I don't think... Yeah, don't flex know. culture was a thing in the 80s, a very big thing in the 80s, because, um, like, like, for example, Donald Trump is your kind of definition of a yuppie. In fact, he gets mentioned in the movie several times, like, oh, what kind of suit is he wearing, what is he doing, or whatever, because obviously he, was, he wasn't, like, the president at that point in time he was just like a business guy he was a terrible business guy but oh it's terrible absolutely have most of his things failed yeah but he has enough money to kind of back him up um but regardless he is like if you're looking to see what a yuppie is he is your stereotypical yuppie you know he comes from money he works in business economics uh mergers and acquisitions or as we like to say mergers and executions and um yeah and all around flex you know flexes and stuff you know oh I have this I have that mm-hmm. and I was mainly just thinking of like the old orange guy who was the president and oh my god he was still really ugly yeah um, yeah he didn't I thought maybe it was going to be one of those you know where like I think is it Stalin who was quite attractive <laughs> when he was younger uh but no Donald Trump does not have the um no he's still quite ugly and it kind of just goes to show that money can't buy you good personality <laughs> that's what the, i was gonna be like these people don't envy him for him they envy him for his to have money they do struggle to get a reservation um at dorsey's, at dorsey's. <laughs> at dorsey's. 
Um, <laughs> which is my favourite thing. That that's like a plot. Like, that's like a pl- major plot point is that you can't get the thing at Dorsey. But Paul Allen can. But Paul Allen can. But Paul yeah. Allen can. Uh, Bateman often says the kind of right things. You know, there's this monologue where he's not at Dorsey's. He's at some other restaurant. But they all look the same to me, and I think that's the point. But uh, he's talking about, oh, you know, women should be treated well and people of colour should be given more opportunities. And he's kind of saying the right, quote-unquote, politically correct things. Um, But, like, as his monologue at the beginning of the film, he feels none of it. In fact, he says he drops the N-word multiple times in the book, Especially when he's killing the black homeless guy, uh, you see how he treats women, especially during the the murdery bits. You know, yeah. no bueno, it's no good. <laughs> I think it's like as well. What's amazing is, and this feeds into my big strong belief that it all did happen. It's all about nobody else caring about anybody else. He says the most generic statements I've ever heard. When he like he says the right thing, but it's kind of like. Yeah, no. Um, spark notes. Yeah, it's like spark. It's like he quickly like just looked down, like you know, what should I say that sounds good, and then just says it, and then the people react as if he said something revolutionary. Yeah, it's like, you know, and it's like he's just said like world peace is a good thing. That's yeah. We enough. live in a society. We should treat people equally. Whoa! No one's ever said that before. Holy shit! Don't let the FBI find out. Like, I know, Christ. <laughs> We've got a wee revolutionary on our hands. He's shooting down police cars. <laughs> He's feeding cats to ATMs. Oh my God, that stresses me out. It At does. least he said Akub. Like, you know. So you can actually see, uh, like, actually got a wee bit of the script from the movie. Uh, obviously, we don't need to do this if you don't want to. Um, but. <laughs> There's, there's a really like the the infamous bit. I think my favorite part of the movie is where he murders Paul, and he, he sticks on uh, four by Huey in the news, yeah. um, and he's talking about the meaning of the song, but then he's like getting ready to murder Paul at the same time. Hey, how the strap? Yes, Ellen. Why are the copies of the style section all over the place? Do you do you have a dog? <laughs> A little chow or something? No, Alan. Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to be Square, a song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends, it's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! <laughs> Try getting a reservation at Dorcia now, you fucking stupid bastard. <laughs> really good. I can still remember his goofy little movements because like, he walks, but you know, and he doesn't. Yeah, they have to be square. <laughs> he's like, but they should. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> You know, we hope you enjoyed that little that little tidbit. Um, you know, uh, thanks for tuning in to Film Query. Um, 
we are available on <laughs> Twitter, uh, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram um, with the handle at FilmQuery for TikTok and t- Twitter, and for Instagram, the handle is at FilmQuery Podcast. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we go this week? What would you rate this movie a ten? Because we haven't uh, done it the last couple of we weeks. We haven't. What would? Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. I really enjoy it. I find yeah. it very funny. I'm gonna give it nine chow dogs out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we will be covering uh what we do in the shadows, the TV series. Um, so. If you you know if, <laughs> if you're into that, let's see a lucky week next week because we're going to be talking about um, my favourite three bisexual uh, vampire disasters. So, and their and their gay human familiar and their and their emotional support little gay man. Yeah, and Colin Robinson. <laughs> Can't <forget. laughs> Anyway, thanks for tuning in, guys, and we will see you next week. Remember to tell your friends, your family, get them to tune in. And, you know, we're always open for suggestions for what to cover or if there's any guests you'd like to see on.